Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. Welcome in to episode 75 of The Grid. I'm Gabe Myers. Alongside me, as usual, is Mike Foreman. And so 50 is the golden anniversary. We, we can't seem to place what 75 is. I think it, it's something. I think 100 is platinum. I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what 75 is, though. It's a long time. That's all I know. <laughs> it's a long time. Something Mike Foreman knows a lot about. Yeah. Things that go on a long time. Well, I'm Gabe Myers. Along with me as usual, Mike Foreman. And we're going to, we have always, I think in the 75 episode history of this podcast, we are doing something different today, Mike. We are not starting local. We are yeah. starting with the Super Bowl, because Mike Foreman believes that's what that's what people want to hear. We they want to yeah. hear Super Bowl talk, and you know it's only the biggest sporting event yeah. in America. So I imagine there were a few people watching on I, Sunday. Well, I, yeah, uh, we were two of them. <laughs> yeah. Someone asked me today when I was making the rounds, like, "You watch the Super Bowl?" I oh, looked at him like, what, <laughs> "What do you mean? Did I watch the Super Bowl?" <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, it turned out. To be a really exciting finish there. And um, as we both said, uh, we didn't want to bet against Patrick Mahomes, and uh, that proved true. It, it's funny because you see all this stuff, and that's what both of our sentiments were. It was just ugh, hard to go against Patrick Mahomes. And I watched it. You were not a big fan of him, but I, I'm a big fan of Tom. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Tom Brady. Yeah. And I watched it for 20 years with Tom Brady yeah. when it's – he should have lost, or this one against him, or that you know any number of things, any one play that they don't make over the course of the game, they lose. But he makes all the plays he needs to make, and ultimately wins the game. And that's that's what we're watching with Patrick Mahomes again. It's and it's so frustrating if you're a fan of any other oh. AFC team because it comes just right on the heels of Tom Brady. But that's what Patrick Mahomes and his Chiefs team is is just the team that's gonna. Find a way to win the game. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. And, I mean, uh, you know, the, you look at all these little things that happen in the game and you say, well, you know. But j- somehow you knew when, when they got the ball after uh, the Niners kicked that field goal that they were going to go down and score a touchdown. And, and this is, this is going to sound crazy, but – I, and I said on the last podcast, I was rooting for the 49ers. So I was like, you know, kind of head in one place, heart in the other. I never for a second thought the 49ers were going to win the game. Not when they went up 10 early, although it was still the first half when they went up by 10 points. Not when Mahomes threw the interception to start the second half. There was The only time a little bit of doubt crept in would have been at the two-minute warning. San Francisco had that third and four. And if they convert that, yeah. they can basically just – run the clock all the way down and kick the field goal and win the game. And so that was what, that was the only time where it's like, okay, maybe San Francisco can win. But I really was never – just kind of the whole way through, I expected Kansas City to win the game. And, every, you know, everyone's drawing parallels of Mahomes to Brady. And is Mahomes <laughs> better than Brady? Which that discourse I think is a little ridiculous at this point. But that that's what he is. It's, he's just – he's the new guy now. And, Mike, you, you've been watching the NFL a whole lot longer than I have. 
it feels like I know Montana won four in the eighties, but it feels like before Brady, there was never a quarterback that just dominated the NFL landscape the way that Brady did. And then Mahomes is taking the torch and is doing that almost to a higher, you could argue to a higher degree now. Mm-hmm. It, has this ever happened? I mean, to, like to where one player is just dominating the landscape of the NFL? Uh, no, it's hard. It's hard to think about. I mean, obviously Brady and and Montana was great. I mean, he he pulled off some pretty amazing uh, wins for the Niners and much he broke a lot of hearts in Dallas. I but know but that. at least Montana, it was, he wasn't in a Super Bowl every no. year. He wasn't in. The, he, he had some early exits in the playoffs. Right. And with Brady after twenty ten yeah. and with. Uh, Mahomes, the early exits in the playoffs don't happen. They're in the AFC title. Every year since 2011, either Brady or Mahomes have been in the AFC title yeah. game. That is absurd. It is. And uh, what's what's amazing is you look at those two. I mean, there were years they went with different kinds of teams. Yeah. It wasn't always, you know, like Brady didn't always have Randy Moss. You know, and look at Mahomes' receivers this year. My gosh, I mean, that was a different style team. Well, they were a defensive led. They were an elite defensive team this year. Yeah, and I mean, but he found a way, you know, to get the ball to Kelsey a lot. Kelsey played a big role in that game this week, and uh, you know, but and uh, he just he just finds a way. I mean. You know, and, like, you have to give credit to Andy Reid, too, I think. That dude, I mean, that fourth down call, I mean, uh, when they ran the ball in overtime when Mahomes ran it, I mean, uh, they had seen that in a sense earlier. And they obviously knew they wanted to run that play, you know, where they kind of basically read off of Bosa. And, uh you know, so really, just I I can't. You know, I'm not a fan of the Chiefs, but I have to give Mahomes all the credit in the world. Yeah, it is. It is just. I think when Brady left the AFC or when Brady retired, so many people thought, okay, finally some parity <laughs> will return to the NFL. And actually, it's less now. There, there's in fact there's less parity now because yeah. the Chiefs are here every year yeah. and the Niners have been in four of the last five NFC yeah. title games. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, you know. Realistically, uh, let's be honest, um, you know, Atlanta basically gave that Super Bowl to the to the Patriots. I mean, all they had to do is kick a field goal, and that game is over. But Kyle Shanahan well, okay, so, and his offensive genius over well, there. Okay, so okay, so I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend Shanahan. I'm not going to relitigate Super Bowl Fifty One. Yeah. But this is what I will say: Everyone puts Super Bowl Fifty One on Shanahan. Maybe the head coach Dan Quinn, who's a defensive guy, yeah. don't allow twenty five points in a final quarter and a half of football. And that's true. Maybe don't allow twenty five yeah. points in the last. Well, that's game. true. But you <laughs> kick a field goal right there; that game's over. Well, and, they, well um, Matt Ryan took the sack to get yeah. the field goal. And also, here's the, this is the other problem I have with that. And then we, we'll stop talking about Super Bowl Fifty One. Everyone voted Matt Ryan MVP that year. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the media voted Matt yeah. Ryan MVP that year. And then blamed Kyle Shanahan. Not, but if you actually thought Matt Ryan was an MVP player, you would yeah. pl- place the blame on him. I don't blame Shanahan for Super Bowl Fifty One. I think one insane comeback, two some bad mismanagement, three the defense has to do yeah. has to do has to do something. But it but it is. I mean, 
you could say the same thing. You could say the same thing about a number of you know the Bills with 13 seconds left a few years ago. Yeah, it's but it the teams. Bill Belichick says this a lot, where more more games are lost than they are oh, won. Yeah. And there is a little bit of, and the Patriots had this, you can call it mystique, uh-huh. of just you get in your own head playing against them. Look at Baltimore in the AFC Championship game. They only ran, they are the number one rushing offense in the league, and they ran the ball six times Yeah, against Kansas City. Teams against the Patriots forever, and the Chiefs now just... Yeah. Seem to mm-hmm. you know they they self destruct against them. Yeah, and I I think um, you know I I'm not blaming Shanahan for this loss at all, but I do think that they maybe got away from running the ball a little too much in the second half. Uh, well, they were they didn't run the ball very successfully. Yeah, but they moved they it. They moved it enough to keep them honest, and I felt like. You know, the the formula I felt like for beating them was what the Raiders did to them a couple of weeks ago uh, when they ran physically, ran the ball at them and and basically wore down the defense and, uh, you know, and gave made Mahomes take the the short shots. And that proved successful for them. And I thought early on San Francisco was doing that. Obviously, that fumble, you know, that fumble really hurt them on that first drive. Oh um, yeah, because you know they go and score there. Who knows? But uh, well, then Pacheco, but then Pacheco fumbles yeah, inside that's the ten true. as well. Yeah. What I thought the play that hurt because I think the running back fumbles just kind of cancel each other yeah. out. I thought both teams were about to go in to score a touchdown. Running backs fumbles. Okay, those cancel out. The punt, punt that went off the San oh, Francisco yeah. player's foot, the short mm-hmm. punt, which people talk about the underthrown pass being yeah. the best play in football, <laughs> the punt that lands 10 <laughs> yards shorter than where it's supposed to, and you got the coverage, you know, the, the, the punt blocked or the – the punt, you know, the gunners trying right. to block and set uh, up the return because they're they're just trying to block their man. Right, and you can yell Peter or poison or whatever yeah. the buzzword is there. You can yell, but in the stadium of eighty thousand uh, people, good luck hearing it. Yeah, and you're you're focused on blocking your guy, and the ball lands just it just it landed on his foot. It yeah. wasn't a yeah. bad play by San Francisco. No. It wasn't a mistake. It was just. A high. It was just a variance thing. It just happened to yeah. land on his foot in that moment, and Kansas City was able to get the ball. And that was actually Kansas City's only touchdown drive of yeah. of regulation was the 16 yard <laughs> touchdown right after that. So that that's the play. If you're gonna look at a play to yeah. me, that that's the play was because at, up to that point, Kansas City's offense really hadn't. Really no. had not done anything, and that sparked them. And that, that was the only time they scored a touchdown in regulation throughout the game. Yeah, and you. John Lynch said it. Uh, I think he said it Monday when you know because everyone's talked about should the Niners have taken the ball first, start overtime, and yeah. go back and forth. John, Shanahan wouldn't say it, but John Lynch said it that yes, the the defense being gassed factored yeah. into taking the ball. Oh, first. I that's what I thought. Um, you know, automatically I thought you know his defense was on the field right before overtime, and he probably felt like uh, you know, hey, we I can't send these guys back out there because they'll go down and score a touchdown, and uh, of course they did anyways. Yeah. But you know, it's always easy to look back and say. You know, you should have, but I kind of like the new overtime rule, so to tell you the truth. I mean, where both teams have a chance yeah. to possess the ball, um, 
you know, uh, I think that's a little fairer. I'm sure I'm sure Buffalo fans would agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, they're they're gonna keep the overtime rule. Some there's never gonna be a perfect rule because what's gonna happen one day is someone's gonna go down and score a touchdown, and the other team goes down and scores a touchdown, yeah. and the third team gets it and scores, and it's like, oh well, they just got it because they won the coin toss. And, yeah. You know, it, there's never going to be a part. I, th- I think the old college football overtime. Yeah. You know, now they've done it to where they do the two-point conversions. That was my – and it was wonky, and it took special teams out of the game. Yeah. And I get the flaws with it. That was my favorite overtime. Just, yeah. You know, one possession from the 25. Okay, now you get a chance to match it. That was my favorite. That was my favorite overtime rule. But it, it was just – I don't know. To me, it just felt the whole – this Super Bowl felt the whole week. It felt so – to me at least, it felt so predictable that yeah. it was going to be a close game and Kansas City was just going to find a way to win because they have that guy. And it's so – I think – I I rooted for Tom Brady for so long. And now that I – not I'm not anti-Patrick Mahomes by any means, but – I'm not the same level of fan of him that I was at Tom Brady. And so I kind of see the other side of it now. It's like, yeah, I see why every other NFL fan base said this is getting a little old, one guy winning all the time. But well, it is, when you have one of the all-time great coaches and one of the all-time great quarterbacks, oh, yeah. you're going to win a lot of games and you're going to win yeah, titles. That's true. And, you know, you just look at it, Kansas City's already a favorite to win next year. And, uh of course, there's some things going on with Chris Jones and some people there that they're going to have to figure out. But, uh, you know, as long as Mahomes is back there, they've got a shot. Yeah, that's someone asked me, you know, and they it's funny. They used to ask Brady all the time, like, when are you going to retire? And he's yeah. like, what do you mean? We're, mm-hmm. We can win the Super Bowl. And people are starting to ask Andy Reid because now mm-hmm. Belichick and Pete Carroll – well, is Andy Reid going to retire now? And Andy Reid's like, heck no. You know, he coached Donovan McNabb and Alex Smith and kind of B and C level quarterbacks his whole career. Now he gets Patrick Mahomes and everyone's telling him, well, when are you going to retire? <laughs> Why would Andy Reid retire? Yeah. He's got he's got one of the all-time greats at quarterback now. They do Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed are probably gone. Those are two of their three best players defensively. I think Kansas City's defense takes a little bit of a step back next next year they got to figure out some things on offense so there you know there's Kansas City's going to have to you know supplement the roster this is not a just a oh they'll be right back here and it's yeah. not that simple but as long as as long as 15's playing yeah. quarterback they got a shot hard to hard to hard to pick against them still well speaking of you know Super Bowl the <laughs> football season end of the NFL playoffs girls basketball playoffs yeah. started here in the crossroads and Mike, you went up to Floresville and Amy Crane's Quero squad. They uh, got into a little bit of a, you know a little bit of a back and forth there in the first round, but ultimately defense prevails and they're onto the area round. Yeah, they uh, they had a little trouble early on. Uh, they uh, you know they play obviously they're two bigs. They like to get the ball inside, and I uh, it just seemed like early on that they were they were doing a little bit of forcing, you know. And so I think uh, what they what they did is they went to a more motion offense where they spread the floor a little better, and they started uh, hitting some shots and they got it inside and uh, defensively, yeah, they did a great job. In fact, uh, Navarro didn't even score in the fourth quarter and actually didn't have a field goal for like the last ten minutes of the game. So that they did an excellent job. Uh, 
you know, it's still a relatively young team. Uh, they have one senior starter. So, um, you know, a, a lot of good things up there in, uh, in Cuero, I think. Yeah, in Cuero, they uh, – so they're, they're playing Bay City in the area around Friday night. And in Columbus, mm-hmm. Mike was up in Floresville. I went south to uh, – I went south to Kingsville, watch yeah. Victoria East take on Laredo Cigarroa and – this game was it was it was kind of funny to me. And I, I talked to you late last night, and yeah. this is my description of the game. Just the longer the clock ran, the wider <laughs> East margin got. It, there was never like you watch the game. You know, at the end of the first quarter, East was up like eight points, and it's like okay, yeah, it felt like they played a little bit better. And then you look up middle of the second quarter, and it's like oh. They're up by 17 totally <laughs> dominating the game. But there was never a moment. There was never like – it never felt like, oh, this is a 25-point game in the second half. But East just kind of systematically, methodically just – it was the game was like a series of like East outscoring Cigaroa 6-4. to four. Like they outscore him 6-4 to four over three minutes and outscore him 6-4 to four over the next three minutes. And it was just continuously like that and – for Victoria East, you saw the balance that was their trademark all throughout the regular season. Of you know, so it's funny of their of their six players that play a lot, the five starters and KK Cleveland who comes off the bench. Sanaya Randall scored the least points with seven. Nevaeh Sanchez scored the most with sixteen, but Randall had seven rebounds, eight assists, and five steals to go you know to go with her seven points Avery Valentine uh Cameron Jackson each had 12 Chloe Buckner KK Cleveland each had nine so you know all year we talk about the balance of the East squad they can beat you in different ways they have different players that can score uh the head coach Yolanda Wimbush North said after the game she thinks it makes it tough on opponents where you look at the scoring averages and it's one girl with 10 two girls with nine couple girls with eight and it's okay we can't just okay go stop Avery Valentine like no that you can't you can't really do that. And it was Nevaeh Sanchez who got the Titans going early. And after that, it just everyone got into the game. And that when they play this balanced attack and get everybody involved and highly unselfish, they become a harder team to guard. And one of the things I wanted to see, you know, they really struggled with Flower Bluff's 2-3 zone. And part yeah. of that is to credit the Flower Bluff because they have so much size and they really – you know, put an emphasis on keeping the ball out of the paint. And Cigaroa played zone. The zone was not the same caliber as what Flower Bluff played mm-hmm. against them, but they they play they played zone. The ball moved swiftly. They played inside out. They you know they were able they weren't forcing passes. They were taking what the defense gave them. They were able to get out in transition. And so for East it was, you know, all you could hope for out of a first round playoff game and now they're playing Brownsville veteran. Now they're playing Brownsville Veterans Memorial Friday night in, in Alice in the area around, and they, you know, they're feeling they're feeling pretty good. They're feeling loose. They're feeling pretty confident today. Yeah, and as you said, I mean uh, that balance is so important because uh, you know you it, you can stop one player. I mean they may score, but you can usually stop them from beating you. And uh, you know, uh, but if you if you have a number of players, that makes it much more difficult. Uh, you know, I I think back uh, to Victoria High days with Jan Lahudney when they went up to play uh, San Antonio uh, Jay up there, and they had um, I can't think of her name was uh, I want to say it was uh, Davis. She played at UT, was an Olympic star, just a tremendous basketball player. Uh, but they beat Jay, 
And, uh, Dave, you know, Davis scored a lot of points, but they were able to, you know, keep her from beating them. And it shows, you know, if you have a good team. The other thing I noticed, too, uh, and you talked about this with Flower Bluff, in basketball, I think length is so important. Perimeter size. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, you know, like, and Quero has that. And the good things is that makes passing, you know, you get those arms in those passing lanes, makes it extremely difficult. And uh, if you have that length that you can stop the other team from, you know, passing the ball around a lot, that helps too. And it just, it makes every – you mentioned making a passing harder, but even like simple passes yeah. just become a little bit harder. And you may be dialed in first, second quarter, but you get into the third and fourth quarter and you're tired and you're kind yep. of in that flow state. You're, you're maybe not throwing the sharpest possible pass on just a, a pass from one side of the floor to the other, and that's something where a tall athletic girl yeah. can go and get her hand on it. So that's – yeah, that, that length, that's part of the reason like, why you really like Quero is just yeah, that, that length. Like, Shiner sports that. The Shiner yeah. girls really just all over. Like Callie Sevsix, the one girl who's not yeah. like six feet tall. <laughs> and even, you know, she's you know she's a real big-time athlete herself. And so that that's something where, you know, that's something to watch. Is I think that's the one thing that can give East some trouble is that, you know, the uh, team that has some perimeter size. I don't think – Brownsville veterans really fits that bill so that, you know, yeah. that'll just be something to watch as we continue going forward. You know, shine, it was, you know, good day overall for, uh, yeah, it was for, not for a bad day. It, you know, Shiner and Flatonio won handily, which was expected. Hallettsville and Edna both won handily. I actually think Hallettsville and Edna looking at their paths, not, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I like to get ahead of myself. They kind of <laughs> have a chance to go, you know, it looks like they yeah. have a chance to really make some noise down in, 3A Region 4, uh, Quero obviously win, obviously winning as well. So this is, you know, yeah. it looks like we have some teams who have a chance to, to make some noise. And, hey, you know, keep us on the basketball courts. Yeah. A little bit. The weather's not great yet, no. so we don't want to go to baseball yeah. and softball courts. Well, uh, we had 10 teams win, you know, uh, this Monday or Tuesday night. Yeah. And uh, we'll have nine games uh, this week with Bay City and Quero yeah. playing each other. So, so we're the, guaranteed to have yeah, one. Yeah, and you know the interesting thing to me about that Bay City Quero matchup. Look at the coaches in that game. Quero's uh, coach is Amy Crane, who people around here are familiar was uh, won a state title at Victoria High, goes to SC, plays with Cheryl Miller, wins a national championship, finishes her career at Texas State. Other side, you have Chandy Jones, who uh, was an outstanding high school basketball player. They went state tournament twice. They never won a title. She goes to University of Houston, where she is still considered the best basketball female basketball player ever to play at that school. So you have two coaches who really know, you know, what it's like to play championship level basketball, and I find that really interesting. And Mike Foreman gets to be in attendance for yeah. that one Saturday night or Friday night. What a coincidence. Yeah, and it's, uh, <laughs> of course, they had to go to Columbus to do it. But, uh, yeah, and Gabe, I think, is, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, going to Alice, I, I'm assuming that I've kind of thought they might go back to Kingsville. Well, so the, so Kingsville had, I talked to some of the administrators yeah. there, because Kingsville is exactly halfway between yeah. Brownsville and Victoria, but I talked to Spencer, I talked to Spencer Gant, the AD today, mm-hmm. and it was, 
and this was the same thing in football. It happened with Victoria East and PSJ North yeah. where, you know, Corpus was where it made sense for a neutral site. But because the uh, because Victoria East was in that Corpus district, yeah. PSJ North didn't want to go to Buck or to Cabinets. Like, you've played there already. So they went to Cal Allen, which was yeah. – Cal Allen's actually in the Corpus City limits, but it's not yeah. CCISD. So it felt more neutral. So some coaches – because East had already won a game Yeah, there. that's what I wondered is yeah. – they probably figured, well, they've already played there, so let's get them out of that gym. Yeah, you've already played there, you've already won it. Which I gotta say, Kingsville King, that's a nice campus. That was a nice, that was a nice gym. They got a good, they got a good solid, they got a good solid setup over over there down in Kingsville. So, but you know, Alice, we'll go, we'll go down there next. And you know, best thing about these Friday road trips, Mike, is. There's some barbecue between here and between here and Alice and sitting old Butters Barbecue for those in Victoria traveling down about yeah. ha- really about the halfway mark in Sinton between Victoria and Alice hit up Butters Barbecue in Sinton that's one of the better uh, more underrated barbecue places in the state some of the best barbacoa I've ever had in my life Mike. yeah and I guess if you wanted to go early to Columbus you go to Shobles with a great <laughs> restaurant up there uh, you, I'm sure you've heard that name. Uh, Football fame, yeah, but they they have a restaurant up there that's a pretty good restaurant I've eaten there. But, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, one thing we both notice is we got a lot lot of teams doing a lot of traveling. Um, You know, it's just the way the bracket's set up. It it felt like in football the teams Mm -hmm. played just closer to home, even in the smaller smaller classifications. But, uh, yeah, sometimes that happens, and – so we'll see how we'll come out. Of course, the boys will start their uh, playoffs next week. Yeah, that'll 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 be interesting. No Victoria schools in the boys' playoffs this year. West just kind of really had their season fall apart in district play. East lost to Flower Bluff in the play-in game Tuesday night, so they are they are out of the postseason. But we'll have you know a three-way tie. What is it? Twenty-eight to a twenty-nine. Yeah, that was a, that was really interesting. Flatonia, Bloomington, Schulenburg. Yeah, three-way tie. And I, I'm assuming they flip because uh, I noticed Flatonia already had its pairing. So okay, they must have determined seating by flip. Okay, and, yeah. Because uh, so so I've done one of those like three-way ties before, but this was a three-way tie to get into the playoffs. It was a three-way oh, tie for third. And the way they did it, so thir- you know, one you flipped, and one team would get a bye, and then two teams would play Thursday. Winner of Thursday's game would play the the bye team on Friday. If the team with the bye won, they get the high seed, and then the team that won Thursday gets the middle seed, and then the low seed goes to the team that lost. If the team goes two and zero, the team that won Thursday, then the two teams that lost play the you know kind of the yeah. play in right there. Which that was that's obviously kind of the fun scenario for like a spectator, but yeah. when it's you're, I get it if it's a three way tie for third, you're battling for a playoff spot. That's yeah. one thing. Battling for a district championship. Well, in this case, really, it'd be seeding. Yeah. You don't want to play potentially two games going into no. going into the postseason. No, you don't want to wear your legs out for that first round. And so. presumably, the games would all be really close too, because you tied for the district yeah. championship during the regular season. So it's not like these would be, you know, just easy, uh-huh. easy games. You kind of cruise to the finish line in. So that's, yeah. That's, so as a fan, you kind of look at it like, oh, that would have been fun. Mm-hmm. But as a coach, I'm probably on the side of what they actually did. Mike, what I believe the strongest sport in our area is is softball. 
And that got underway. That got underway yesterday. We got and we thought we wrote about softball a little bit last week, but we can talk about it a little bit more here. And what we really focused on is that district with Weimer, the defending champions, and two A with Shiner, with Ganado, all probably going to figure prominently into uh-huh. the district, regional, and state championship picture. And that is just, I mean, that's the district and. Soft, I think two-way softball in the state of Texas begins and ends with that district. Yeah, it's it's a very competitive, and of course, you know we don't want to forget uh, Hallettsville sitting right there. Hallettsville up in three A. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, you know they felt. I know they're they're chomping at the bit after what happened last year, that they feel like they 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 can get back and get another title, and then. Uh, you know, for a uh, Cuero and uh, El Campo should have pretty good softball teams. So uh, there's going to be some good softball played around here, and we don't want to forget St. Joseph either. St. Joseph made the state tournament last year, beat Victoria yeah. West last night. Yeah, so uh, it's still kind of cold, you know, and it's, you know, it's still. I know, kinda, we're both wearing hoodies right yeah, now. Yeah, so it, it's still maybe not prime softball <laughs> with her. But, uh, you know, come with Come next week, I can tell you this: we'll we'll, we'll have uh, we'll have softball, baseball, track, soccer, basketball. Uh, swimming's wrapping up next week too with the five A state meet. Uh, so I mean, gosh, there's just so many sports going on right now. Yeah, this is. I was telling someone today. I call this our equinox with everything. Kind of, you know, we have the winter ending and the spring beginning, and there's there's a little bit of overlap here. We got uh, D'Angelo Salinas from Victoria East. He's going to the state That's wrestling. Right, race. wrestling. We got wrestling. Yeah. He. How about this though? It's actually a shorter drive for them. To the to, state. To state than it was to go to regional because they had to go all the way to Anna. And and instead, they're going to Cyprus for, you know, the Berry Center for the state tournament. That's crazy. But that's the way it is. That's the, well, I think with this new realignment, it, that'll, I think that will change for, yeah. for Victoria East and Victoria West. We got state swimming this week as that's well. That's right. With El Campo, uh, got a couple of girls that are seated number one. Uh so a lot going on. We'll try to get as much as we can. Uh, yeah, th- this is our equinox right now. Everything's kind of happening at once. And unfortunately, it's only two of us, so we can't be everywhere at once. But there's a lot of there's a lot going on. Again, with, with softball, softball gets me excited here because this is – I just – I don't. I'll predict something. The the champion in two ways coming out of coming out of the district with Shiner, Ganado, and Weimer. I I just think the state champion is going to come out of that district in Hallettsville. I I was at the game where where they lost last year in the playoffs, and it just Hallettsville was really probably the first team because I got here during the the baseball and softball season last year. Hallettsville was probably the first team I formed kind of a relationship with covering, which you just do that the longer you're here. But I was so new. Hallettsville was probably the first team I did. And it, it just, the vibe around the team and watching them, it just felt like a team so experienced, returning everybody, just marching back. Like we're just marching back to going back to the state championship. And there was such a confidence about that group. Not, and not complacency, not anything like where they overlooked opponents, but just, just a assuredness about that group that they were going to go win another state title. And when they, and they lost Santa Gertrudis and it was a best of three. So it wasn't a one-off, but 
both losses just kind of felt like one-offs and they were so close and yeah. it's like what it's like what the heck happened like you're sitting there afterwards and in my mind I'm just thinking and you know for the players it's an even higher degree of that couldn't have really happened did that <laughs> really happen so they have a they have six of their starters back they have all of their pitch everyone who pitched an inning for them last year is back they have uh six of the top seven hitters in their lineup back they have they're gonna have to move they have to they have to replace the middle infield that's that's kind of the big thing for them but this is a team that it feels like they're gonna get be right back in the state championship picture once again i i think softball again is watching it last year it's such a strong sport in our area and i think it's gonna be really strong again yeah it should be and so uh we're looking forward to uh you know, another successful season from softball and hopefully baseball. You know, we'll see Shiner made th- has made three straight trips to the state tournament. They're going to have a, a challenge to get back. But, uh, you know, don't. and if you're really looking for a team to watch, look at Victoria East. Victoria East. I know. They're, this is their year. I mean, they've got – they're loaded. And uh, they've got a lot of seniors with a lot of experience and some younger kids. Twelve seniors. Yeah. Five, five of whom have been with the team since they were freshmen. Yeah, and a lot of those uh, younger kids that can step in and help them out. So uh, – should be an interesting year for the Titans. Yeah, it's, I actually went and talked to Coach Coley today, and there is a – it's funny because they're a team of 12 seniors, so much experience, and it's not just a lot of experience, but a lot of kids who have played well at this level. But that the Corpus District falls short in a lot of sports, not in baseball. No. That, as a baseball district, the Corpus District is, uh, you know, one of the best ones in the entire state. So these East kids have yet to make the playoffs – because they're having to yeah. go through three or four state-ranked teams in their own district just to get there, and that's the that's the page Victoria East is aiming to turn. They got as close as they can get last year—a one-run oh, yeah. loss in Game Three of the yeah. of the play-in. So they return all their pitching. They return they return everyone in the field. They have some depth pieces, and they're you know they're gotta figure out who's gonna be the guy off the bench who's gonna be the pinch runner those kind of things but this is a team for as talented as they are it's still with something to prove so this is uh yeah they're gonna be taking their regular season very seriously and I, I think the titans are gonna be a fun they're gonna be a fun watch yeah this, this, i i think so and what what uh what wes coley always does is he'll take those tournaments at the beginning of the year and he'll throw a lot of pitchers out there, and he'll play a lot of guys. So when he starts district, he had a pretty good idea of wh- who's going where and what they can do. And uh, that I think this year, and like you mentioned, that that's that's hurt them not going to the playoffs because until they missed, they were one. Uh, you know, we had West volleyball, East basketball, and East baseball were the only teams to can always go to the playoffs and that that ended for them so now we have east basketball and west volleyball so i know the titans are anxious to get back yeah and this is a they go to mccallan to start the season they go down to the valley and i actually talked to coley about that today i loved his reasoning for going down there it's you know if we if we make the playoffs that's where that's probably where we're going first round and we've never played down there and another thing 
their first game after that tournament is going to be a zone crossover game, which for playoff seeding could yeah. potentially really matter. So they might throw out a bunch of arms in that McAllen yeah. tournament and then come back home and, okay, Gage Goldman, Joey <laughs> Lee, you get the ball. Let's go. Yeah. Give it to – because they're going to – because that's – Gage Goldman was kind of the, the, the surprise star yeah. for East last year. He was awesome. Joey Lee was coming into the year, the pitcher, with all the experience, but he got hurt, hurt. early on, came back late. Yeah. But now you have both of them coming into this season, and they got – they got three, four, five arms that they feel really confident in, and he said, "You know, you're going to see some different arms from us this year." Is something that he uh, he told me today. So I'm I'm excited to watch East baseball because I think they're going to. This is if if it's going to happen for them, it's going to be this year. Yeah, it needs to be this year. So, but that just about does it for us on episode 75 of the Grid. Basketball playoffs. That's a Super Bowl talk today. Baseball, softball starting up. Our sports equinox is here. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Mike, you got anything? You always got something to say. Well, I I just want to remind basketball coaches it's never too early to get your all area nominations in. And if you're still in the playoffs, you you can wait till you're done. But if you are done, uh, before you start thinking about another sport to go coach, Send us your all-area nominations because we don't want your kids left out. Yeah, please get those into us. We, you know, it's crazy. We just got done with football and volleyball, and now we're going to move on to boys and girls basketball. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to episode seventy-five of the Grid. We'll see you back here next week.